Kelly. It is great to be here. I appreciate all of you being here. Uh, I hope you have a great Christmas. Just a little survey here. How many of you uh, celebrate and open gifts Christmas Eve? Can I see your hands? Okay. How many of you do Christmas Day? Okay. How many of you do both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do, we do both in our house, different populations each time. But I'm excited about Christmas. I love Christmas. Uh, I heard that last Sunday was an awesome service. How many of you were here? Wasn't it great? Uh, and I want to say thank you to all of you who worked so hard to make that happen. Special thanks to Julie, Cassie, Tommy for all of their good work planning and organizing it. Sorry I wasn't here. I was on an airplane flying back from Hawaii. <laughs> I know you all feel bad for me, but, you know, somebody's got to do it. Uh, <laughs> if you've never had a chance to go to Hawaii... You should go. It was an awesome time. Uh, it was a big surprise for my wife Sue and I. Uh, we planted River Heights Vineyard in Invergrove and have worked there 30 years, and we're going to be stepping off the staff at the end of March. And so our kids wanted to plan just a big getaway, and they, and they said, you know, we're going to plan it with, you know, you, got, you can agree on where we're going. We'll let you do that, uh, which we did. And we're going to pay for everything. So it's kind of funny. I I like sparkling ice. I don't know how many of you drink that. In my family, it's called grandpa juice because uh, when our grandkids uh, lived with us, I would always drink that. And they'd say, how come grandpa gets that and we have to drink water? To which their dad said, uh, grandpa owns the house. We're living here with them. He can drink whatever he wants. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I bought two bottles. We were in Waimea, Hawaii. I walk out and my son from Chicago says, where did you get those? I said, I didn't steal them. I paid for them. He said, you're not supposed to pay for anything here. I said, Eric, it was $2. Anyway, but it was a great surprise for us and we're forever grateful for our kids for making that happen. It was 14 adults, uh, no kids. Now we love kids. We love our grandkids. We have 10 and we'll have 12 by March. Um, but it was also really great to be together and just to have the conversations, and it was just an awesome time. Now, on the way toward retirement, I had another great surprise. Uh, God drafted me, and you invited me to come and be uh, interim pastor here until we find a new long-term pastor. And I'm thrilled to be here, and in January, I'll start here actually full-time, uh, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Looking forward to 2020. I think it's going to be a great year for us. Now, God is full of surprises, isn't he? Really good ones. Ephesians 2.10 says this, that you and I are God's masterpiece. The word in Greek is poema, where we got our word poem. And it literally means he, his, we are his creative masterpiece, and we're created anew in Christ to do the good things he's called us to do that he's planned long ago. So he's full of surprises. So he probably has some surprises for you today and the rest of this year and into 2020. And you know, he's got surprises for Mercy Vineyard for the rest of this year and next year. And they're good ones. They're wonderful ones. And he wants you and I to be able to step into them. You know, we're reading through the Christmas story in Luke, and we did messages based around, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. For to you today is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, those Christmas stories, they're full of surprises. Think about it with me. A very old couple 
And again, I said a few weeks ago, you know someone's very old is when they're like older than you are, right? So I'm 70, so I know they were like way older than 70. 70 isn't very old. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were a very old couple, and an angel comes and says, surprise, you're going to have a baby. God's heard your prayer. And that baby is going to prepare the people of God for the coming of the Messiah. They were shocked. Then that same angel surprised Mary, a young peasant girl who was probably 13 or 14. You're going to actually have the Messiah. You'll, you'll carry him. You'll, he'll be born from you, and you'll raise him. That was a shock. And then shepherds just simply doing their job on a hillside. And the glory of God comes on that hill, and angels sing and speak to them about the good news. That was a big surprise. And then later, Simeon and Anna, again, two faithful believers who had been looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. It's amazing to me. Simeon had been told by God, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And so that was kind of a big, big message. But one day, the Holy Spirit prompted him, get to the temple today. So he goes, and Mary and Joseph are there dedicating Jesus and he speaks wonderful words over Jesus. And then Anna, who had been praying for years and was in her 80s, she too spoke about the child. So God is full of surprises. Now the greatest surprise in my life was 51 years ago when Jesus Christ, the light of the world, rescued me from the darkness that I was in. Darkness due to my own sin and foolish choices, Darkness due to the sin of other people against me and the evil oppression of Satan. Darkness due to guilt and fear and anger and confusion. And he's led me these last 51 years into his marvelous light where I found forgiveness for all my sins. Isn't that amazing? Not forgiveness for most. Not forgiveness even for 94%. But forgiveness for all of them. And if you're uncertain about that today, Boy, would we love to help you get certain about that, that Jesus died to forgive you for all of your sins. You could be completely clean inside and out. I found freedom from fear and a purpose worth living for and a power to live it out. Christmas has become very special to me. So I came to Jesus in October of 1968. Many of you were not born then, uh, <laughs> but some of you were. 68 was a tumultuous year. Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated that year. Robert Kennedy was assassinated shortly afterwards. Uh, students at Kent State in Ohio uh, were, were killed. There was a huge demonstration in Chicago at Grant Park during the Democratic National Convention. It was a crazy year. But you know, God works in crazy times to rescue people. And so I came to Jesus then. <clears throat> so I was so excited about Christmas coming. Uh, because all of a sudden it made sense to me why Jesus came. I've always loved the lights, I've always loved music, but the Christmas carols, they made sense to me. So I was so excited, <clears throat> and I so wanted my family to come to know Jesus. Now my older sister already did, she had led me to Christ, but my dad and mom and younger sister, I was just not sure where they were. <clears throat> I worked in a sporting goods store then, <clears throat> excuse me. So I had a little money, so I bought presents for everybody. And so here at Christmas Eve, our tradition was the oldest would start opening, go down to the youngest, and then the youngest and go back to the oldest. So my dad is opening my present, and it's wrapped. And he says, oh, John got me a book. My dad loved reading. He was a professional educator. So he opens a book, 
And he looks a little bewildered and he says, John got me a Bible. And I said, no, I got you half a Bible. I didn't have enough money to buy a whole Bible. It's a New Testament, Dad. And he says, so, okay, thanks. <laughs> and then my mom opens hers and she said, I got a book from John too. Oh, it's a Bible. I said, no, it's a half a Bible. <laughs> and she looked at me a little bewildered. And then my older sister opened hers. And then my younger sister was 14, looks at me and said, you didn't buy me a Bible, did you? And I said, just open it. And she said, you did. I said, it's a half a Bible. She said, I know. And she said, why in the world would you do that? <laughs> and I, I was a little embarrassed at that point. I thought, I thought you'd like these things, you know. I said, well, you know, I've just come to know Jesus and his love for me. He's changing my life for the better. I'm getting to know him through the Bible. I would really like you to know him. And I just thought, you'd really like this. And she gave me the look like, well, there are a few other things I might have liked more than this. And then at the end, of, after, after the night, I was, I was a little, little disappointed, but my sister said, you know, I totally get why you did this, John. But maybe next Christmas, just think about love gives people what they really want. And I thought, okay, I'll try that. And so, so I did from the next years. But you know, God uses even our clumsy efforts. A year later, my 14-year-old sister gave her life to Jesus. Two years later, my dad gave his life to Jesus at age 55. And 35 years later, at 86, my mom gave her life to Jesus. I'm so thankful. He uses all of our efforts. Now, it doesn't mean my mom was like a hard-hearted person. She wasn't. She was one of the kindest people I've ever met. But she'd been deeply wounded by people in the church. And so she had a lot to get over as it went to give her life to Jesus. She met Jesus in a hospital, in a vision, at Unity Hospital in Fridley. And I'm forever grateful. So I just want to encourage you. You don't have to be maybe as clumsy as I've been trying to share my faith, but share your story. Pray for your family because God so loves them and he so wants to work in their lives. I am so grateful that he's rescued me from darkness. And we're going to talk about a passage this morning about light and darkness. It's probably the most famous Old Testament passage uh, that describes who the Messiah was and what he had come to do. It's found in Isaiah 9, verses 1 to 7. Matthew uses it to introduce the ministry of Jesus as Jesus begins his work in Galilee. John says that Isaiah saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. In fact, Isaiah was called the fifth gospel by the early church. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Isaiah. Because people saw more of the New Testament in Isaiah than any other Old Testament book. So Isaiah 9, we're going to read it in little sections. It describes the deep darkness that covered Israel at that time. And Isaiah prophesied by the Holy Spirit that God was going to send a great light to shine upon us, to deliver us, and to bring us lasting peace. I want to pray and then we'll look at Isaiah 9. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for coming and leading us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you for doing that every single day as we follow you. Thank you for doing that this year with us here at Mercy. Thank you that you will continue to do that for the rest of our lives. 
Thank you that we can carry your great light to others, to our friends and neighbors, families and coworkers, all over the world, to all people. And thank you that you've prepared in advance so many good things for us to do. Would you please shine your light upon us today so that we can follow you? We pray this in Jesus' name. All right, so three things I'm going to draw your attention to as we look at these seven verses in Isaiah 9. Number one, you'll see the light, the, this light shines first in a very unexpected place. Two, this light is a great light that can break through every kind of darkness and bring life to everyone who will receive it. And three, this light is simply a gift that we receive by saying yes to Jesus. All right, <clears throat> so nevertheless, Isaiah 9, 1 to 3. That time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel. Its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. So the light shines first in a very unexpected place. Zebulun and Naphtali were in the northern part of Israel and they were conquered by Assyria first in 732 BC. And Assyria then brought people from all kinds of other nations in to resettle that area. And there were people that did not like each other. There was a lot of hostility, a lot of racism, a lot of discrimination. It was a tough place to live. Very much like our world today. Isn't it interesting that God begins his rescuing work in an out-of-the-way place, Galilee of the Gentiles, not in Jerusalem where the powerful people lived. Jesus' bed was a feeding trough for animals. His first visitors were shepherds. He grew up in a lower-income family in a small town of 300 called Nazareth. When I read that a few years ago, I thought, huh, finally I grew up in a bigger town than somebody. My town was 365, so I'm a little bit bigger than Jesus' town. So that made me, gave me a whole awareness of what Jesus went through in a small town. Because in a, in a tiny town like 365, man, you know everything about everybody. You know a lot of things you don't want to know. <laughs> you do. You do. His mother was an unwed, pregnant peasant girl who was stigmatized for the rest of her life, as was Jesus. He grew up without power or privilege, was a refugee in Egypt as a child. He worked in the family carpentry business, and he endured rumors his whole life long that he was an illegitimate child. He had none of the marks of greatness externally, yet he made the greatest impact of any person in history. You know, God loves doing great things in hidden, obscure ways. Paul tells the Corinthians, God chose the things the world considers foolish Anybody ever been considered foolish, either by others or by yourself? That's me. Uh, he chose the things that people consider foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Aren't you glad that God's light comes to shine in unexpected places upon unlikely people 
like a very old couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth, like a, like a very young girl named Mary, like people like you and me. What can happen in our lives as this great light of Jesus comes upon us? We'll read Isaiah 9, 4 to 5. It says this, For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. It's because war will be over. There will be fuel for the fire. So not only is this light, does this light shine in very unexpected places and upon unlikely people, but it's a great light that can break through any and every kind of darkness, bring life to anyone and everyone who will receive this Jesus by faith. I remember when I was driving into work here this week, uh, one of the Christmas carols was singing. You know, one of the benefits of a 30-minute commute each way is that I've, be I've become even, a, I think, a, a more heartfelt worshiper because I, I listen to music and sing all the time. So I was thinking about darkness, and I was just thinking about what it was like to live in darkness, confused, broken. I lived in a dorm when I went to Concordia College, Moorhead, the first two years. And the first year, I ate half of the meals I paid for. You know why? Uh, I just didn't want to stand in lines. I just didn't want to be around people. I was afraid of what they were all saying about me. Truth be told, they were saying nothing about me. They had their own lives. But that, that was my brokenness. I remember the darkness. And in one sense, I don't ever want to forget the darkness because there's so many people around us that live in and under the darkness. Jesus so wants to shine his light on your friends and mine, your neighbors, your co-workers, fellow students. His light can Break the power of every kind of darkness. Isaiah uses an interesting compound word that's translated deep darkness here. It literally means being under the death shadow. Uh, I had the privilege with my son to go to the rise of Skywalker yesterday morning. Anybody else seen it yet? Yeah, a few of you have, yeah. Uh, we both were a little chagrined that the critics didn't think it was great. But who cares for the critics anyway? I loved it. <laughs> In fact, I'm going again on Tuesday. <laughs> we take our family to a movie on Christmas Eve. Fifteen are going to Frozen 2 and seven of us are going to Star Wars again. Anyway, uh, but you know, that whole series is all about light and darkness. Not just the lightsaber, that's true, but just the darkness and the oppression that the evil empire wanted to put on people. But there's great hope for us. Even though I lived apart from God for the first 19 years and brought myself and was helped by others to get into deep darkness, Jesus' light has flashed. And, it's, and as John 1 says, the true light has come into the world and the darkness will never extinguish it. Never. Now, I don't know where you are now. I hope you're in a great place. But even if you're in a not quite great place, you know, there's light for you right now. There's hope for you right now. There's, there's steps forward with you right now. And God just doesn't shine his light. He is the light, so he comes to be with you. 
It's interesting, I think Psalm 119 talks about God's word is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. Literally means like miner's foot lamps where you take a step and you have three feet of light. You take another step, you have another three feet. And you know, that's how we walk with God, a step at a time. He's got great things planned for you and I. Jesus came to lead us out of darkness. He says this in John 8, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Light is super powerful. Not only laser light, which is powerful, but light is powerful. And it's absolutely critical for life. So Genesis 1 tells us that when God created the world, he created light first. Now, I don't always or very often, or maybe I've read it twice in my life, Popular Science. Anybody else read Popular Science magazine? Uh, It's probably not like a bestseller among a few of you do. Uh, But Popular Science had an interesting article on light that I read. Described three things that would happen to us if our sun suddenly went out. First, if the sun went out, the Earth's temperature would be zero by the end of today. Now, we're used to zero. That's not like a big deal, right? Uh, But by the end of the year, it would be minus 100. Yeah, I don't think even in Minnesota we're used to that, right? And it would stabilize at minus 400. That would be really cold. Second, photosynthesis would stop immediately. Plants would stop producing oxygen. Now, there are other ways to produce oxygen, but most people would suffocate and die. Some would survive long enough to build a shelter, but most of us would either freeze to death, minus 400, or suffocate. And third, we get most of our vitamin A and D from the sun, so most of us would have our bones just crumble into dust. Without the sun, life would not have developed, and if the sun went out, life would die. Now, we do have a problem. Our sun is running down, Uh, so are we, actually, because as Paul says, all creation is now groaning. We're waiting for God's full redemption when we'll be all that he made us to be. The good news is that Jesus, the great light, has come and he's begun that great work. He can break through whatever darkness has come upon your life and gripped you. John 1 says, The Word gave life to everything that was created. His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness can never extinguish it. Now, I love singing Christmas carols for all kinds of reasons, but one reason is they teach us so much while they draw us into the presence of God. I mean, that's what worship does. I'm really excited about the team coming in a few minutes to lead us more into worship. I experience the presence of God in worship, and I learn about God as I do that. So Hark the Herald Angels Sing is a favorite carol of mine. It has one line, light and life to all he brings. He's risen with healing in his wings. We're going to pray in a few minutes when I'm, I'm done with this little part and we're worshiping. And if you need healing of some kind, boy, God is so here to touch you. Oh, Holy Night is one of my favorite carols because it was my mom's favorite carol. She had a high soprano voice, probably recording-worthy voice, but she lived in a tiny town in South Dakota and people didn't get there to sign recording artists. But she loved singing Oh, Holy Night. One of the verses says this, Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name 
all oppression shall cease. Won't that be great? Won't that be a wonderful time when all oppression ceases? Now, we're not there yet, are we? We're on the way there. But on the way there, whatever oppression or bondage you might have experienced, picked up, lived in, chosen foolishly like I did, you can be free of it. You can be free of it. All oppression will cease. You know, we live in a time now where people who study these things say there's more people in slavery now than ever in history. There's more human trafficking. Uh, and while Jesus is at work to break the power of that, he wants to recruit you and I to serve with him, to see people set free. Interestingly, Kathy Maskell, uh, who le leads the Vineyard Justice Network, and one of the things they do is advocate for justice in all kinds of ways, in this country and others. You might be interested in checking out what they do. But you can come to Jesus right now. You can give him your burdens. You can find rest for your soul. You can be forgiven and set free. Not only can your sins be canceled out, but the power of them over you, either the things you've done that has allowed power to come over you, or the things that have been done to you that you never signed up for. They just happened. The power of them can be broken, and you and I can be set free. That's been true in my life. Now, does it need to be more true in my life? You get to know me pretty well, you'll say, yeah, yeah, you could use some more freedom. And I could, and I want it. Don't you want more freedom in your life? How can we experience his forgiveness, his freedom, his peace, his light in our lives? Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says this. For a child is born to us. Isn't it wonderful? God is so wonderful, so simple. A child is born to us. And a son is given to whom? To us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. Now Jesus has already come to rule, but that's a developing process. His kingdom has come and it comes more every day. We're to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. We look forward to the day when he is ruling over everything. Don't you look forward to that day? When peace and harmony and justice reigns. The government will rest on his shoulders. And these are some of his royal titles. He'll be called this. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Now, how, is, how can we be sure of this? The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this, this happen. You know, God is really into this. Jesus came with passion. It said in another place, zeal for my Father's house will consume me. Jesus is full of passion for you, for his work in your life, for his church, for his work here at Mercy Vineyard. You know, we've been through some rough things this year here at Mercy. Some of you are well aware of them. Some, some of you might be less well aware. But Jesus loves Mercy Vineyard. He loves you. He loves all the kids in the other spaces. He's got a passionate commitment to rescue and restore, to change our lives, and to work through us in this world so that many, many, many more experience the freedom that he died to give. How can we receive this? This light, this 
This light that shines in unexpected places and upon unlikely people, this light that is so great that it can break every bit of darkness for anyone who ever comes, this light is simply a gift we receive. We simply say yes to Jesus. This hung me up for years. When I, my sister began to talk to me about Jesus, I began to, I didn't understand at the time, I began to be convicted, stirred, kind of awakened by the Holy Spirit that, that I, there was a better life available for me. And so I did what I always did. I worked harder. I tried reading the Bible. I got through Genesis, pretty exciting. Exodus, loved that. And then I found another wonderful book called Leviticus. <laughs> they were killing one animal after another. And I liked animals. I had no clue. Why are you doing that? And I quit. I thought, ah, must not be the book for me. <laughs> nobody, nobody told me, start with the New Testament. I didn't know. You start at the beginning. That's how you read books, right? <laughs> and I went to a college where they had chapel, Monday through Friday, five days a week. So I thought, I'll, I'll go to chapel. Somebody will say something there that will help me. So I committed to going to five days a week. That lasted about one week. And then I reduced it to three then to two, then to one, and truth be told, I fell asleep in that one most of the time. I just thought, I'm a terrible Christian. I'm just terrible. I can't read the Bible. I, can't, I don't like going to chapel. Ah, I was trying to get better. I didn't realize it was a gift that Jesus had done the heavy lifting. He had done the great work for me and for you. You don't have to earn your stripes. You don't have to earn your way back. You don't have to work harder to be better so God will love you. He already does love you. <laughs> God demonstrates his love, Romans 5.8, in that while we were still sinners, like me, screwed up in the dark, didn't know which way to go, Jesus came and died. He volunteered passionately. We're going to be opening presents in a couple days, so... You know, people that love you have found things. <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it's a Bible or half a Bible. I don't know. <laughs> but they found things. They thought about you and they've bought things for you. Now, how are you going to get the benefit? How are you going to experience their love? You're simply going to receive those presents and unwrap them and open them up, right? I love seeing the look on my kids' faces. Years ago, how many of you remember starter jackets? Anybody remember when they were the rage? Oh, my boy so wanted starter jackets, and they were gone everywhere. So I went to the mall, put my name in at every store that sold them, and said, please call me. Well, on Christmas Eve morning, I get a call. We have a couple starter jackets, and so I got a Phoenix Suns and a Seattle Supersonics. Those were my kids' teams. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. The Timberwolves were bad. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, they're still bad. Anyway, but I hope they get better. I'm a hopeful fan. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I remember we wrapped these things up, and our boy, the boys that we were giving them for, they were eight and ten at the time. So we get pretty much done, and then we say, oh, we forgot a couple things for you. One for you, Eric, one for you, Sam. And so we bring them out, and they opened them up. And now they're eight and ten-year-old boys. They both ran, and they knocked me down, <laughs> giving me hugs. It was wonderful. They loved these things. You know, friends... God is so excited that you come to him, that you receive what he gave his life for. You just come. You just come. You don't need to clean yourself up. I have a good friend who's now with Jesus. He was a leader in our recovery ministry. He said, you know what? I learned something. You don't clean yourself up before you take a shower. 
You just go take a shower. <laughs> you just come to Jesus. To all who believed him and received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Let's just come. We come to him, he comes to us. And he comes to us as a wonderful counselor. The word there has the sense of strategic wisdom. Do you need strategic wisdom for your life? You have questions, you have decisions, you have things in front of you you wonder about. He's got strategic wisdom for you. He comes to us as the mighty God. He's got the power to save you and me. Set us free from everything that's ever bound us. He can heal every kind of sickness and disease. Physical, mental, relational, emotional, spiritual. He wants to do that today. And he comes to us as the everlasting father. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. My wife has had like way more surgeries than either she or I ever planned. But she needed them. And a few years ago we were in Columbus at a worldwide vineyard event and her stomach exploded. Those of you that are medical, it's called diverticulitis with perforation. Big words, her stomach exploded. And all the yuck went into her system. We found out later she could have easily died immediately. Uh, we're so glad she didn't. And so she had Ohio State University staff did great work taking two-thirds of her colon out. And she's, you know, forever changed by that. She has to kind of watch certain things more than she would have otherwise. But she does. And God was with us through it all. He was with us through his people. He was with us through a wonderful pastor at Columbus who came and sat with me the entire two hours of the surgery and prayed for me and loved me. And then when we realized, oh, we're going to have to stay in Columbus another two weeks, uh, I would have paid for a hotel room, and truth be told, I would have probably taken me a couple months to find the money to ultimately cover it. Uh, but people in Columbus said, why don't you come and stay with us? So we met a wonderful couple that if we lived in Columbus, they would be great friends of ours. Jesus is an everlasting he, the, the Father's the Father. Jesus comes to us as an everlasting Father. He said once, Philip said, would you show us the Father? He said, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. We do the same stuff. We have the same heart. You need protection today if you feel some way unsafe. God wants to make you safe. He wants to heal you and protect you. He wants to provide for you. And he comes as the Prince of Peace. Peace here has the reference of wholeness your whole life being pulled together for good. All the different threads being pulled together. So there's peace with God, peace with other people, peace within your own heart, peace with all creation. We know this partially right now. It's, we know it truly. But when he returns and we live in a fully restored new heaven and new earth, we will know it fully. And the government does rest on his shoulders. He gladly takes the responsibility to rule for good for your sake and mine in this world. He will rule with justice for all eternity. And we can be completely confident because he is passionately committed to this. So where are you at today with experiencing this great light in your life? Whatever darkness or confusion you may be experiencing now, Jesus has the wisdom you need. 
whatever might be holding you back, binding you up, keeping you from a fully flourishing life. He has the authority to set you free. Wherever you may feel unsafe or without resources, he wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. And wherever you need healing, in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, with people, with God, he has the power to heal and restore you. Come to him today. Come to him with me. Let's come to him together. He loves you. He wants to make you whole. I'd like the music team to come back up now if they could. They're going to lead us into the presence of God now. And uh, we'd like to pray for you. And we, we pray different ways here. Sometimes we pray at the very end of the service. We'd like to pray right now. So if, if those of you who are on the prayer team uh, could make yourself available, be available. If you'd like prayer as we are singing, you can just come on up to either side or the front and we'd love to pray for you. Now as Kelly mentioned, we've got communion available. It's in all four corners. And you can meet Jesus as you take the bread and the cup. All we ask is that you be following Jesus. And if, if, you, if you want to start following Jesus today, Start! And then come and take communion with us. doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Jesus. And then we're going to be receiving our offering as we worship. You know, and if, if, you, if you're a guest today, we don't want you to feel any pressure at all to give. Those of you who aren't guests, we want you to feel a lot of pressure. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But God so wants to bless us as we give. So let me pray and we'll worship. Lord, we thank you that you are the wonderful counselor and the mighty God, the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. We thank you that you've got all the bases covered and that you've come for us. Father, we thank you that you gave Jesus to us. Some of us feel super unlikely. Some of us today feel like, boy, I don't know, is, that, is he really for me? And I just encourage you, he's really for you. And uh, if Jesus has been a little fuzzy in your life, today would be a great day to say, oh, Jesus, I want to come to you. I want you to kind of clear away the fuzziness. I really want to know you. You can pray that. I'm just going to pray it right now. You can pray that. It's really simple. I use simple words. Sorry, please, thank you. So you can just pray with me. There's no magic words. It's just the inclination or turn of your heart. Jesus, I'm sorry that I've lived apart from you. I'm sorry that I've just kind of depended on my own energy and thoughts to live life. Please forgive me for all the ways I've turned away from you. Thank you so much for coming for me, to rescuing me, leading me out of darkness. And Lord, would you lead me into all the light you have for my life. Give me the power to live a new life. Thank you so much for hearing my prayer.